just I just I just speak my peace keep my peace What's good, everybody? Welcome to episode 51 of the Speak My Peace podcast. As always, I am your gracious host, Greg Lacey. As cliche as a phrase sounds, it does feel good to be back. I can't stress how good it feels to be back. I've sat back and 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 seen so much stuff go on around the world seeing so much stuff that I wanted to offer my opinion on that I did not. I think just as important as I feel like me sharing my voice or me feeling the need to speak upon certain topics, I feel like that is just as important as me also, you know, taking breaks here and here and then within this episode. That's why I kind of labeled these episodes as seasons. You know, the first season was episode one through 21. I ended there, took a little break. And this previous season, season two, was episode 22 to uh, episode 50. Those things are, are, are very important just for the for my sake. You know, I'm doing everything within this podcast. I can't, as fun as this is, I can't let it exhaust me. So I think it's very important to for me to take those breathers within it, within the times that I do. With that being said, man, um, welcome to the Speak My Peace podcast. If this is your first time listening, welcome back. If it's not, thank you guys for returning. For the new listeners, I hope I'm able to retain your listenership. I think the last time I released an episode of the Speak My Peace podcast may have been like late November. So it's been quite some time since you guys have heard from me um, that I was able to you know, share my opinions or speak on certain topics with you guys. So. As I said, it just feels great to be back because now I'm able to to bring this outlet back and able to broadcast my opinion and my thoughts into the world. Not to sound full of myself or anything like that, but I do feel like it's important for me to to speak my piece. That's the purpose. Of, that's the purpose of this podcast to speak my piece. Um, with that being said, man, within our time away, a lot of stuff has happened. A lot of crazy stuff is going on in the world. A lot of unfortunate things have happened. A lot of great things have happened for myself individually, hopefully for you individually as well, but also just for us as human beings as we, you know, progress within this world, our progress within our lives. Obviously, one of the most prevalent and not to say that, you know, one death or one, you know, thing is more important than the other. But I think one thing that or one issue that affected the world in its entirety more than anything else in this time away was obviously the horrific disaster that claimed the lives of Kobe Bryant, his daughter Gianna Bryant, and seven others. The date, uh, I believe, of the horrific uh, helicopter crash was January 26th. So we're nearly... Two months removed from the helicopter crash and it still doesn't feel right. I think the world is still shaking up. I, I don't think the world is, has completely recovered from that. But it was something it was something like no other. I mean, it's still me speaking about it right now, it still sounds unreal because it actually did happen. And I remember, you know, the news being broken to me or me finding out, you know, just one of my friends texting the group chat and talking about it. And I remember just being like in denial that it was true because it just sounded like something out of a movie. And I'm not going to speak on it too much because I don't want to make this whole episode a a episode in regards to Kobe death. Not to say that we moved on, but I just, you know, for some people, they probably just don't want to. They, for some of my listeners, I understand because the majority of my listeners are on the West Coast. So not to say that because you're tied to a specific region that you're more affected than anyone else. But I do understand that a majority of my listeners come from the West Coast. And I do understand that that particular region of the world may have been largely affected by this disaster just because of their emotional ties to Kobe Bryant and to the Laker organization because of where they live. And they may have grown up fans. But anyway, it's not to get off track. I had a episode planned two or three weeks ago. I went on vacation two or three weeks ago, 
And I was planning on releasing, I was planning on recording the episode the week before then and then releasing it while I was on vacation. That's why I was away. This was two, two or three weeks ago. Just to, just to pay my respects to Kobe Bryant, speak about, you know, what Kobe Bryant meant to me or how I was affected by it. And for some reason, the episode just didn't come out right. It couldn't come out right. Like, I, I recorded it. It didn't work. I re-recorded it, and it just didn't feel right. So, I just chose not to release it. And, I mean, I don't feel bad about that because the time that I wanted to release it was literally going to be the day after the memorial service that was uh, that was afforded to, you know, many of fans and many of friends and families that was, uh, I think, February 24th that, was, uh, that happened in the Staples Center. I was going to release an episode like right after that, and but this w- hadn't been announced, so I had no idea about it. But anyways, it was just I felt like that was poor timing. Once I did feel like you know, once I finally was able to settle and was like, okay, I'm just not going to really, I'm not going to try to keep recording this. It's just if it's not coming out, I'm not going to force it, and I don't want to have a bad episode. But anyways, I was happy in the long run that I did not release it because it kind of like me capitalizing on, you know. A disaster and and another human being, another family's, you know, misfortune. And so I, I was glad that it didn't come out on time it did. But I really did try to record an episode just for the sake of me just paying my respect and paying homage. But with that being said, you know, just to give my short stint on it, I was affected by it. Anybody who know me personally, anybody who know me affectionately, know that I am a self-labeled and <laughs> critically acclaimed or crit- critically labeled by those who know me personally. As a Laker hater, and I have no problem with admitting that. And just in a time of Kobe, definitely reflecting on a lot of things. I think part of the reason, or a large reason, why I may have been a Laker hater was Kobe Bryant. Not that I hate Kobe Bryant or have any ill will towards Kobe Bryant. I'm a big fan of Kobe Bryant. But I think that if you take away Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant played 20 years in the NBA. I think you take away those 20 seasons that he played for the Lakers where he won five championships. You take him away from the Lakers organization within that time. I don't think that I care about the Lakers or the Lakers fan base enough to even consider myself a Laker hater. So I attribute a lot of that to just Kobe Bryant, just how great he was. Like I said, I never hated him. I was always I've always been a fan of his, but I think more than anything, it was like a love-hate relationship. My favorite player ever is Tracy McGrady. While Tracy McGrady never had any, you know, team success, he had a lot of individual success within his career. And the majority of his career, he was linked to Kobe Bryant because he came out of high school a year after Kobe Bryant did. He took the same path as Kobe Bryant, went straight from, you know, 12th grade into the league. And he was a young dude who, you know, was right on right off the bat was like making noise in the league being a young teenager in the league and so him and Kobe Bryant they were linked together majority of their career and then later on in Tracy McGrady's career he ended up playing for a Western Conference team so he started to see Kobe Bryant four times a year and they were they had a lot of great matchups in that time and so with me being a Tracy McGrady friend I, I always rooted for him especially against those matchups with Kobe Bryant because I knew how competitive both players were and I knew how great both players were so they always brung they always brung the the best out of each other obviously Kobe Bryant had more success than Tracy McGrady but that never deterred me from being a Tracy McGrady fan and I always just loved those matchups and I don't think Kobe Bryant's death really hit me until there's a great piece and you can probably still find it on YouTube of on NBA to jump on ESPN where Tracy McGrady is just reflecting on Kobe Bryant and in an interview, you know, he just he breaks down when speaking about it, as you would expect anybody to, because he speaks about just him coming in the league as a 17 year old and Kobe Bryant basically taking him under his wing because a year before Kobe Bryant had taken the same path and he came into the league as a 17, 18 year old. And so he spoke about just him being so young and Corey Bryant taking him under the wing and bringing him home or bringing him to his parents' house and, you know, Tracy McGrady establishing a relationship with Corey Bryant's parents and establishing a relationship with Corey Bryant's sisters and his family and stuff like that. And and within that time, you know, they continue to stay close and, you know, kind of continue to de- develop this relationship as they grew older. And I remember last year they had a segment on the jump to where they were just speaking about, you know, reflecting on their careers and about, you know, the the different individual matchups they had with each other and stuff like that. So that kind of hit home for me because 
you know, I understood what a lot of people, as I said, you know, I'm from California. Majority of my listeners are from California. The reason being is because or how that ties together is that the majority of the people I know are Lakers fans just because I'm from Los Angeles, California or from the area within Los Angeles, Los Angeles, California. So majority of people I know and the majority of people I come in contact with and majority of people I talk about basketball with are Laker fans. So like a lot of people I've witnessed from the outside looking out, they were like really affected and I was affected too. But I noticed that I wasn't as affected as they were. And it was just because they've had this relationship with this man for over 20 years. And they've, they've grown to love him as he grown and they've grown together. You know, that relationship, that bond was so strong. They felt like they lost one of their own. And so I was just affected because I lost uh, a player who I admired. I was just affected because I, we lost an NBA great. But, you know, their hurt was different from mine. And so it didn't really hit home for me until I saw that Tracy McGrady segment and he started breaking down and I realized like, damn, you know, my favorite player is hurt because he lost someone who he spoke of as a brother. And then I kind of started to relate with what everyone else was going with because I was like, you know, this is what they're dealing with. And I started to think about, you know, how I would feel if I was to lose my favorite player. Like I've never met my favorite player before, my favorite player played in Orlando, he played in Toronto, he played in, in Houston. I've never, you know, had any runs-ins. I never happened to see him, you know, out and about or doing charity and stuff like that just because of I didn't grow up in the city that he played in. I know a lot of people that, you know, have run to Kobe Bryant in some random places or have, you know, been to charity events where Kobe Bryant hosted or been to charity events that Kobe Bryant uh, popped up to. And so, you know, they have a, a deeper relationship just for even if they didn't have any interaction with him, just seeing someone to idolize. You know, it, it takes something to a certain level. So, yeah, man, that just it just hit home for me. Um, prayers out to all those who had lost, you know, a loved one within that within that crash, whether it be one of the, the families. And I wish I had the list of the names on hand right now, but I don't and I don't want to mess up any names. But prayers out to all those who are affected um, in the wake of this. I know a lot of people were, you know, pouring out their hearts to Vanessa which is great. Um, but I also realized that, you know, we live in a social media era to where we we do stuff because it's a popular thing to do. So, you know, when when Nipsey Hussle died, a lot of a lot of social media posts, a lot of Instagram posts were just like commending Lauren for, you know, how strong she appeared or sending prayers out to Lauren and they immediately like missed the fact that a family has lost a son, a family has lost a brother, family has lost an uncle, and I think that go and not that it's the not that it's the the general population's um, job to do so to recognize those people, but I think it's it has become very inconsiderate in in trying to I guess show love or offer your condolences to those affected because usually it's just like you want to offer your condolences to someone who has I guess. Uh, uh, popularity or someone who is a certain stature because and I'm not you know knocking people for for extending condolences to people like that but in comparing the two I noticed it with Nisby Hubsel like a majority of the outpour was for Lauren London and rightfully so you know this is the this is the woman he loves this is the person he spent for you know the the last couple of years of his life with almost every day so rightfully so they did that and I noticed that with the same thing with Corey Bryant, a lot of people, you know, they're sending their their condolences only to Vanessa Bryant, which I have no problem with. That's that man's wife. Is the love of his life? Someone he described as a soulmate. Someone he described as the best friend. She's going through a lot right now because she lost someone who was who she felt like it was her other half. So I have no problem with that. But I think a lot of times in these situations where people are doing stuff just for likes, they and. I think people don't care. People are inconsiderate. So I'm not surprised by that. We live in a social media age where people are inconsiderate of others and they want for self. And what I mean by they want for self is that, you know, I'm going to do whatever I need to do to make sure that I gain enough attention on myself or gain enough likes for the sake of my validity. Um not even I don't think validity is a word I'm looking for. More for my self gratification because if I post this post about you know I, I I stand for Vanessa Bryant or my heart goes out to Vanessa Bryant. She had to raise these kids on her own or she lost her soulmate. I couldn't understand what would happen if it was me. You know, posts like that. 
I think that people are not genuine in doing so. And some people are genuine, but I think the majority of the people on social media who do that are not genuine in that, but because it's the popular topic and because she's a person of uh, stature and a person who has some type of notoriety to her, that's who a lot of people who are going to relate with. You know, like, why not extend your condolences to his parents? And I'm not going to get into that, but just in general, because we know that Kobe Bryant and his parents had a, a strained relationship. That's not the case here. But why not extend your condolences to some parents who had just lost their son, their only son? Why not extend your condolences to two sisters who lost their only brother? Why not extend your condolences to nieces and nephews who lost their uncle? Um, that's just my, my two cents on it. You know, I see it happen time and time again, and I understand why it happens. Is that, you know, in these cases, we're going to send our condolences to Lawrence Hunden because she's an actor. She's a very popular person, so I post something about her or I post a picture about her and say that I relate to her, then a lot of people are going to relate to me. And then for my self-gratification, you know, I feel good about myself. I'm going to extend my condolences to Vanessa Bryant or send my prayers up for Vanessa Bryant because, you know, if that was me in that situation, I don't know how I would go on. But also, even though Vanessa Bryant is not a, 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 a figure, a, a popular figure, she's still linked to someone who's very popular worldwide. So she has enough notoriety to where I would get a lot of people to, you know, also somewhat. I don't even know if empathize is a word, um, but I guess somewhat show love to that and, and, and like my picture or like my post. So now I feel good about myself because I, I express that um, in the situations. I think a lot of things that's missed is that just the family. You know, we've we've all no one. I don't think is anyone on this earth who has not lost someone who's near and dear to the heart. And so I think in these situations, we just have to not think about ourselves. No, we need to think about ourselves. We have to remember how we feel in those feelings where we were in these situations. You know, you go to you may go to a funeral of your favorite cousin and everyone may get up and speak about your favorite cousin and. They may say, you know, oh, he was a great person and or he or she was a great person, not to be sexist. Um, I say he or she, not just he. Um, they may say this person was a great person and he was a great, great brother and he spent all the time with his siblings and stuff like that. And then they may totally forget you, even though you spent 90 percent of your life with this person. You may feel left out. You may feel some type of way. So I think that we just got to think about ourselves unselfishly and just think about the entire situation. Um, one thing, one, one of the main reasons why. I've thought of this and why this has been harboring on my mind as of late because I've been thinking that, yes, Vanessa has, is going through things and Lauren London is going through things. But I think we also have to realize that they're women and women themselves. And this sounds cliche as well. They're, they're superhumans. And I say that because I've seen time me growing up in a, in a house with a single parent and that single parent being a mother. Me growing up around friends who have grown up similar situations, me have witnessing you know women around my family go through certain things and seeing them you know to come out on top and those people uh, you know just being unscathed. Women have some type of superpower to where they are able to, and it, it may not be the best thing, but they're able to. No matter what, under no matter the situation. And I know it's like a, a thing to call women emotional or whatever, and they may wear their heart on their sleeves or whatever, and that's besides the point. But I've witnessed in my family and, and other women as well that women, especially mothers, they have these superpowers to mask these things that are going on. And it may not be the best, it may not be the best method, but no matter what they're going through, they're able to to mask that stuff and push through and remain, you know, calm, remain unscathed and and take on the bigger task at hand and and being the 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 strong face or the strong model for their family or for their children or for whatever the case may be like i think about my mom a lot like especially me being older like you know as i've matured like i i've gone through stuff in my life as well and so where like i'm under i'm able to understand like different situations and different you know uh um what is the word i'm looking for different situations and and different um things that my mom had to do you know, for her kids as she was growing up being a single parent mother. And, you know, I understand. I'm not going to say I fully understand life, but I'm, I'm coming to grips to, to understand life better than I have maybe two or three years ago. And so with that being said, it's like you kind of being on the outside looking in, understand what your parent or parents were going through. 
And I think about my mom and she she's been through a lot. And I think that no matter what, I've never seen her scathed. I've never seen her, you know, I never seen her fold under pressure. I never seen her. I never seen what worry or doubt look like on my mom's face, even though I, I know she's been through a lot of things. I know she's been in a lot of situations to where, you know, worry or doubt was probably very prevalent in her mind or, or something that was like very heavy on her. But because she had kids that, you know, that looked to her every morning, that looked to her every night, that looked that depended on her so much. I think that, you know, she was a warrior in her senses to where like she she never showed that. She she always appeared visibly to show that, you know, things either things are okay or things are going to get better. So I'm not worried about what's going on right now. And I think that's the same thing when we think about, you know, women like Lauren London and we think about women like Vanessa Bryant and other women who've been in the situations because not only are they women, but they're also mothers. So they have these superpowers to where, you know, I'm a, I'm a go through this and I'm gonna do what I had to do with internally. Um even externally, but once I get through, once I you know take this short time because that's another thing that we we look we look over is that mother don't mothers don't get too much time to themselves, and I don't mean to single out. I'm not saying that if you're not a mother, you're not a superhero. I think all women are superheroes, but I just think mothers have that. You know, if we speak in anime and we talking Dragon Ball Z, you know. Women may be sans and mothers may be super sans. Uh, if you don't get that reference, <laughs> you don't get that reference. But um, that's what I'm speaking about in terms of. So I think that, you know, once you become a mother, you know, those, those superpowers are are exceeded. Those superpowers are extended. Those superpowers are, you know, they go up another level. And and the reason why I bring this up in the case of these two women or even women, more women have been in the case is that. You know, they they spend that time, that short time that they need to do to grieve and to get all all the emotions out they need to get out. But then once they spend that very small fraction of time doing what they need to do, they get it right back on their job and have to take care of the rest of the kids. You know, and I think that's the main reason why, you know, we see Lauren London in the public and she may appear visibly strong, even though she may be going through stuff um Internally, because she has two kids, and I don't know what the situation is with Nipsey Hussle's daughter, but we could say she has three kids. If is she still taking care of her, or is she still like in her life? That's three kids. Same thing with Vanessa Bryant. Like you know, unfortunately, she lost a daughter, but she still has three kids that she take that she has to take care of, and so you know, she's going to go through what she had to go through internally, but. At the end of the day, she still has a, a teenager she had to take care of, and she had to take a toddler. She had to take care of a toddler, and she had to take care of an infant. And, you know, back to my point when I was saying about just mothers don't get a lot of time to themselves. I saw something online. I think it was like a meme about, you know, the the only time that the, the reason why mothers stay up so late is because that's the only time they get to themselves. And and that could be true because, like, when when do they get a break? You know, they, they have to wake you up to, to make sure you get to school. They have to make sure you get to school. They have to make sure, you know, why you at school, the, the siblings that are younger than you that's not able to go to school are all right. Then they have to make sure that you return home safe from school, cook you a dinner, make sure that everything at home is, is intact so that you can go to bed without any worries and wake up and do it all over and over again. And just like it's a continuous cycle and these mothers never get breaks. So even in times of grieving like this, I think I don't even think they get enough time to grieve because they may take like a little time off and then it's like right back to the job, right back to take care of these kids. So much love to all mothers that had to go through this. And I don't even know how I got on this topic, but I know that I grew up in an area to where mothers lose kids often. And I think that's probably where I'm coming from or where my mind frame is, is that I grew up in an area and, I, and I've been, you know, in situations to where I've seen mothers lose kids or I've heard of mothers losing kids. And then those mothers, you know, they, they grieve for a little while. But then it's like it's not really life goes on as if they forget the kid or the, the child. But it's like, you know, that life doesn't stop there. And I and I know and I speak about it a lot within my um, within my situation. And, and I speak about my brother. I. Um, I kind of take a lot of strength like for me it was hard i don't think and this is another topic that i'm about to get on soon after this but i think for me it's hard to still deal even if it was three years ago i think it's still hard for me to deal with the loss of my brother but in the times that i speak to his mother it's like she's still very upbeat and she's still a she's still like a a, a full of life type of person and it's like 
every time we do talk, it's like it's amazing to me that she's able to do that because she lost her baby. She lost her baby boy. So it's like, how are you able to 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 appear this way when like sometimes with me, like I have days where to where like it's still like hard for me to even think about anything else because this is so prevalent on my mind and I'm still like trying to make sense of things. And so I get sometimes courage from her or sometimes I get strength from her just from listening to how she's able to to move on or to go on. Um, and the whole reason why I went on this spew and the whole reason I went on this rant is because what I was trying to get to is that we can't forget about everyone who is mourning. You know, as I said, we extend our condolences and our love to their loved one, as in the person who they were romantically involved with, and it stops there. I think a lot of people totally forget, especially in a situation where siblings are involved, that someone has lost their best friend. And and I, I've witnessed this from, you know, just the situation with, with Kobe Bryant. I've witnessed this from, you know, personal situations. I've witnessed this from the Nipsey Hustle situation. I witnessed this from every time death was involved, whether it's somebody I know personally, whether it's a celebrity or whatever the case may be. Siblings, I don't know, and I don't know how many of my listeners are are single child or single children. Um, but siblings are literally like it's your first friend, and damn near gonna be your last friend because when everybody's gone, you can always have you always have that person to fall back on. And the reason why I bring this up is because you know a lot of people, and I keep on saying this, and I sound like I'm uh, being redundant, but a lot of people are sending their condolences to, to Vanessa Bryant in this situation, but. Totally left out the fact that a 17-year-old girl just lost her 13-year-old sister. And that right there is extremely heartbreaking. That is another reason why I brought up just the mother the mother example. Not to say that mothers should be forgotten, but mothers are able to deal with stuff like that and then you know put everything on the back burner to deal with everybody else because they have that strength. But a 17-year-old girl who hasn't, you know, 17 years old is not enough experience in life to have, no matter where you, no matter what situation you go through, no matter what you're going through in life, 17 years on this earth is not enough experience to, to, to deal with things like that, especially like losing your best friend. Like, yes. And I'm not saying that anybody is less than or anybody should be cared for less than, but I think that when I speak of the people who shouldn't be forgotten, one of the main people at the top of that list are siblings because you can't teach a 70 year old girl you can't teach a 40 year old person how to cope and how to move on with life after losing someone who they spent their entire life with or majority of their entire life with um Corey Bryant's oldest daughter is 17 I believe and his youngest daughter rest in peace Gianna I think she was 13 so that's just a four-year difference the majority of Natalia's life who was the oldest sister she has been linked or paired with this girl. And the reason why I speak of this is because if you don't have a sibling relationship, speaking from personal experience, a lot of times you take on a lot of times as you, you know, mature, you take on the, these, these roles as an older sibling, you feel like you are the, the pseudo parent as in, you know, sometimes, you know, kids don't listen to the parents. Sometimes kids are hard headed. And sometimes that one person that can get through to them is usually, the older sibling because the older sibling been through whatever they've been through with the parents so they know how certain situations are going to play out and so their best interest is the younger sibling like you know I, I've, I've tried to do this and it didn't play out well so I'm trying to give you some advice about how to deal with this and aside from being a pseudo parent another role that older siblings take on is being the protector because you want to do whatever you can to make sure that your your younger sibling is not placed placed in the harm's way, um, you got to make sure that you know everything that your younger sibling do what that you're involved with is of uh, is in their best interest, whether it's in their their well well being mentally, physically, um, wherever the case may be. You just want to take care of them because you don't want to see no harm come to them. In in many cases, most older siblings would rather harm be done to them than to the younger sibling because they feel like they're better prepared to go through those situations. As I said, I'm speaking from personal experience. It may not be the same from you and your younger siblings, but this is just being for me for somebody who has six uh, younger siblings. Also, another thing is I, I spoke about being a pseudo parent. I spoke about being the, the protector. 
also just being the friend. Like, no one understands you better than your siblings does because they've seen you in your, your darkest, of, darkest of times and they've seen you in your brightest of times. They've seen you mature. They've seen you grow up. They've seen you, you know, grow through, you know, your, your, your learning stages and all that. And all that is very important because that that chemistry that you build with seeing somebody every day, you know, being a roommate with somebody for for 18 years of your life or maybe longer for some people that experience you have which is being a a sports teammate with somebody for the majority of your life that bond is unbreakable that bond is like no other i know for sure for me um i've tried my best to to build those certain relationships with my younger siblings because i know that's the same type of relationship i have my older brother um my older brother, me and my older brother, you know, we, we when we growing up from a young age, you know, we played a lot of sports together for a certain time period. And then when he got too old for me to play on the same teams with him, we still partake, partook in, you know, some type of sporting activities, whether it was like hooping outside or playing football with friends and stuff like that. But also just like a lot of a lot of my interests and a lot of my likes are based upon stuff that was shaped. By things that were introduced to me by my older brother, and I've tried to my best to create those some similar situations for my younger siblings as well. So you just got to think about those type of relationships. You got to think about just having that much experience with somebody for the majority of your life, and then that person being taken away from you. You can never rebuild a relationship like that. You can never, you know, fill that void with another relationship, whether it's uh, romantic, whether it's a, a friendship, or whatever the case may be. It is hard as hell to build that because that chemistry is unmatched. You, you've been building this chemistry your entire life. And the only bond that's even closer to that, it would be a parent. But even parents don't have that type of friendship that you have with your siblings. So that is really all I want to speak on about that. But I think just going forward as a whole, especially as people on social media, we also have to just care for just in the entire situation, not just partial situation because of a certain person has notoriety. No, no, just care for, um, no, just care for Vanessa. Care for uh, I forget the youngest daughter now. I think BB because you know she spent three years of her life with this girl, and she's gonna grow up to to only know her through pictures. But from like listening to just the testimonies and, and people speak about uh, Gianna, she spent you know a lot of her time with her her infant and and, and toddler sisters because she she loved them so much. But these girls are going to grow up one day and really only recognize her through pictures because they're too young to remember the experiences of her doing things like changing diapers or her making them laugh or her doing certain things like that. And also Natalia, you know, she she's going to have to go through life for the rest of her life and not have. I mean, granted, she lost her father as well. And I don't want to overlook that, but she lost her best friend. And so I think that that is important going forward is that, you know, if you're going to do something for the sake of if you want to be genuine, then be genuine. But if you're doing certain things just for the sake of, you know, getting likes and, and getting some attention and for your own self-gratification, I guess just don't do it because it's very nasty. Don't do something just because the the mass. Just because the crowd do it, be a, be a leader, don't be a follower. Um, even if you don't have to be a follower, just do something, do everything, be genuine about anything that you do. Don't do, don't be controlled or be influenced solely by others because that's just, those are just nasty tactics. And, and the times that we're living in now is just, the, that is not needed. One more thing I want to speak on. <laughs> that's going to ruffle a couple of feathers before I do get out of off this topic was, you know, the outrage. And even though it's overweight now, which is the, the, the Gail King thing. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, there was an interview following Kobe Bryant's desk where Gail, uh, desk, Kobe Bryant's death, where Gail King was speaking with one of his closest friends, Lisa Leslie, uh, former, uh, Los Angeles Sparks champion. And, you know, they were just speaking on and reflecting on Kobe Bryant's life. And one of the topics that Gail brought up was the infamous uh, trial in Colorado where Kobe Bryant was accused, accused of rape. He, was, he wasn't found guilty. He ended up, they ended up selling out of court. Um, we don't know the reasons why. We just know that he ended up selling out of court. He wasn't found guilty, whatever the case may be. Um, 
And so Gail King is speaking with Lisa Leslie, Lisa Leslie in this segment. And towards the end of the segment, Gail King asks Lisa Leslie, you know, does that infamous trial have any, you know, type of negative effect on what you think about Corey Bryant's legacy? Because, you know, it did happen or not the, the incident, because, again, we don't know whether it happened or not. But not the fact that it happened, but because of the fact that he was taken to court for that, and then he was an alleged, um, he was an alleged abuser. I forgot. I don't forget if he was a, alleged to be a, a, a abuser. Uh, I forget if it was a sexual abuse or it was actual rape allegations. I forget what the case may be. Um, but basically, Gail King asked, "Was the fact that he was even accused of that hinder any of his legacy?" And like a professional and like a true friend, Lisa Leslie says, no, it doesn't because what she and then she goes on and, and tell Gail what she remember him for. And then further beyond that, she says that, you know, because of that trial, Corey Bryant was portrayed as a dog. And that's not who I remember him as. I remember him as a loving person. I, I remember that we would go out to clubs and he wouldn't be on women as the way that people portrayed him to be following the trial. He was a very just loving person and. He would never be like, you know, I, I, and Lisa Leslie, she went on to compare and say, like, I've been out in clubs with other NBA players or any other male fans. And they were like, just like dogs to women in the club and like on them and tell them, you know, ins insisting me. And I don't want to be mixing her, but mixing up her words, but I'm paraphrasing. But basically saying that, you know, I have other male friends who have been like all up on women and saying, you know, treating them like whatever the case may be. And that was never Corey Bryant. And Gil King made a simple remark in regards to that. She and Lisa Leslie said, I never saw that. And Gil King responded, Well, Lisa, you wouldn't. And this drew everybody into a frenzy. And I didn't understand it. And I thought that I was crazy. I was watching the news at the time when it happened. I, I seen it happen live. Even my girlfriend felt some type of way about it. But I didn't know what she was. I didn't know what her reaction was towards. I was thinking that it was towards the fact that Gil King asked. And her reaction was more towards. Why are you asking him? Why are you asking about this and his death? And so I kind of resonated with that. Even though I still had no problem with what Gil King asked, I understood where my girlfriend was coming from and, and feeling like it was it was nasty of her to ask that in the, in his death. And you know, I'm someone who is very big on just not disrespecting people in the death and not speaking ill on people in their death. And I don't think that was her intentions, and that's not what I took it of took it as i think it was very important that gil king made that very sly remark and i wouldn't even say a sly remark it was just a very quick remark saying that you wouldn't see him act that way because uh, and this is not even just kobe bryant this is in general which is why i didn't understand why people were mad the way that they were mad and why social there was like a social media outrage in, in what she said um I think it's very important because we live in a we live in a in a in a culture right now to where men are being brought to light for their actions of of trying to take advantage of women or trying to overpower women or doing whatever the case they do whatever they can to abuse women whether it's mentally verbally uh, sexually uh, physically wherever the case may be you know all of these actions that men have done for so long are now being brought to light and they're being held accountable for these actions. And so we're living in a time to where that is happening. And I think it's very important that, you know, in any situation, even a regular Joe Smo, I think if someone is a sexual abuser, if someone is a physical abuser, they're not going to show that to the world. They're not going to show that to the people closest to them because that's going to affect how that hinders them. I think of if I put myself in a situation, if I was someone who was very abusive to my significant other, I'm not going to show that to the people that are closest to me. Like I spent a lot of time around my mother. I spent a lot of time around my grandmother. I spent a lot of time around my siblings. These are people who think very highly of me. These are people who love me unconditionally. If I'm at home, you know, physically abusing my significant other, I'm not going to show signs of that. In front of people I love and people who think highly of me because then that would hinder how I move forward with my relationship because now I can't physically abuse this person because obviously I have something wrong with me. And I'm not saying all this to say that that's who Kobe Bryant was, but I'm just saying this to defend where I felt like Gail King was coming from. Um, to get back to my point, I'm not going to show that in front of people who I love because 
now going forward, I may not be able to do what I feel comfortable doing in the confines of my own home for my girlfriend. Because now I may have my sisters coming to check up on her to make sure she all right. Because they seen me do something like maybe snatch a, a cup out of her hand in public. And they may say, oh, that's signs of he may be abusive at home. Or maybe they seen me, you know, maybe my girlfriend said something to me and I snapped at her just like a, a verbal response. And I snapped at her. And maybe my grandmother seen something and she said, you know, to herself that, Oh, if he's talking like that to her, I can imagine what he's doing at home. So now she's coming around to make sure that to monitor that I'm not doing that at my home. So now I have to be on my best case at home to make sure I don't have any unsuspected visitors. So this is just how I this is how I kind of felt. In response to to what Gail asked, but apparently a lot of people on social media, a lot of people on the internet felt differently. They felt like she was disrespectful, and she and they felt like she was lying, which I don't understand the reasoning behind that because Kobe Bryant did go to court. And again, I'm not the type of person to speak ill of someone once they pass away. But the fact of the matter is, Kobe Bryant did go to court for that. Kobe Bryant did settle out of court for that. Whether he did it or he didn't, that's not the case. It's the fact. That he was accused for that and he settled out of the court for that. And so Gail King simply responding by, well, Lisa, you wouldn't see that is 100 percent accurate. So I'm still confused on what everybody was mad about. I'm still confused on what the rage was. But we do live in a time of social media again, where. If you if enough people was mad about it, or let enough people speak about it, then it's wrong. And that's exactly what happened here. We've we seen certain celebrities, you know, go out of their way to call Gail King out her name. Gail King has said she received death threats. And it was just a lot of just nasty shit going on. And me personally, and I, I can be biased because, you know, my my choice of early morning news before I go to work or before I work out or whatever the case may be, whatever reason why I'm up early in the morning is CBS News. And, and Gail King happens to be a anchor on CBS News. So I could be biased. Um, for the for the fact that that's my go to news choice and that I'm just standing up for Gail, but I didn't see anything wrong with with Gail King ass. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's really all I had on that. Once again, man, rest in peace to Kobe Bryant and Gianna Bryant and the seven others who were involved in that horrific, horrific helicopter clash crash. I don't want to be insensitive and feel like I'm just saying seven others because they're less significant. Um, just because I just don't remember their names off the top of my head and I'm not going to be disrespectful and, and butch names, but we know the seven others who were, who were involved in the crash. So rest in peace to all of them. I'm going to issue a 24 second moment of silence for the nine, Victims who lost their lives in that horrific plane crash. In that horrific plane crash. All right, man. So lastly, before we get out of here, I guess I got to speak on the Rona. As you all may know by now, you know, there's a there's a virus going around called the coronavirus. Um, the symptoms are and I'm not even well read up on it. I just know that it's a virus going around. But I know the symptoms of the coronavirus are are similar to the flu. I know that, you know, there has been casualties in, in the case of the coronavirus. I know the, the those who are most affected are those who are elderly, meaning those who are 60 years and 60 years of age and above um, have claimed the lives of majority, not the majority for the cases of those who are 60 years and above. I think it's been 20 percent of those have gone on to pass away. And I speak about the coronavirus jokingly, but it's not a joking matter, especially when people are losing lives. It's very unfortunate. So rest in peace to all those who have lost their lives. My condolences to the families who are, may have lost someone to the coronavirus. Um, in the wake of all this stuff, I think we're just being exposed. And I'm not speaking ill of people that are passed away. I think of I'm thinking of the people and how they are reacting now. I think all of this has just exposed the world to how nasty a lot of people are. Um, you know, there's there's being mandates to go out to tell people, you know, 
wash your hands. Make sure you wash your hands for 20 seconds. Make sure you sanitize your hands as a second option if you don't have, you know, soap and water available. Keep your hands away from your mouth. Uh, keep your hands off of your face and all the other things like that. Just basic sanitary tips that, you know, not even sanitary, basic hygiene tips that you should already know. But apparently a lot of people don't know it. And so people are catching the cases of it. Um, I think it's funny uh, to see how people are reacting to this in the case of just the the outspread. I could be wrong on this, but I don't see too many people of color really worried about it. And it could be I'm just looking in the wrong places. But majority of the people of color I talk to and are, I mean, it's not a joking matter. But I don't think they have spoken or has expressed concern about the severe severity of the coronavirus. And I don't think that that's a coincidence. I just think that they take care of themselves um, for the people who are has ha, who are expressing severity are people who don't take care of themselves. And I'm not putting this on people of a certain race or people of a certain demographic. I just think that there's a lot of people worried now, like there's hand sanitizer sold out at most local stores. They're reselling online for hundreds of dollars. Um, People are stocking up on tissue and stuff like that. And I'm just like, first of all, hand sanitizer should only be used as a second option. And I'm kind of going off topic because this, what I'm speaking about now has nothing to do with what I just said. But, uh, Hand sanitizer should only be used as a second option. Like you should not be taking a number two, wiping your ass, and then you know you use a hand sanitizer. But I feel like for some reason that's what people are doing. If hand sanitizer is all sold out and people are selling hand sanitizer for a hundred dollars. Like I carry hand sanitizer just because it's something that even before the corona outbreak, because it was something that was encouraged by my girlfriend. And I find that to be very convenient because I find myself in a lot of situations to where, you know, I touch my face a lot. I, I I have a beard. I rub my chin even when I'm sitting idle or if I'm thinking about something or if I'm just if I'm doing something and I have a free hand. A lot of that time, that free hand is my left hand and I'm probably rubbing my beard. Um, even eating my hands, like call me childish, but. If I eat chips, especially like um, the spicy nacho Doritos, which are my favorite chips, if I'm eating like hot Fritos or hot Cheetos, I'm still a child in the sense that like once that shit is on my hand, I lick my fingers. And so in cases like that, I find hand sanitizer to be very convenient because, you know, it may not be as serious, but at least I'm sanitizing my hand before I start eating with my hand, especially like eating stuff like chips or eating fruit and stuff like that. So I think it's very important in that case, but not as a first option. It, it sounds crazy, but I think that's why we are having a scarcity in hand sanitizer and stuff like that is because people just for some reason don't want to wash their hands. Like I work today at work, actually. Like now I've said it before, even before I get to the work topic, like while I was in school, you know, it was many of times where I've pissed and somebody was in the, the urinal next to me and they just w- zipped up their pants and walked out the door. And, I, and I've and i never understood that. I don't know who the hell are raising these people, but no way in hell you could have ever been a La Kenya kid <laughs> because had she ever found out about this, she probably would have got your ass whooped or I, I don't know what's worse than that, but you definitely... There definitely would have been some repercussions Have you had been one of my mother's children And she know that you out here just pissing Touching your genitals and, and not washing your hands um, Not to get off topic But I've seen it happen numerous times In public uh, um, In public uh, 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 I about to say public events In public places where people just piss and walk out To get to what I about to say about work I heard at work today I walked into the bathroom. Somebody else walked in right behind me. I went to the urinal, and not to, and I know this is like TMI, but I went to the urinal, and this person went into the stall. Next thing you know, and I'm not going to, you know, try to freak you guys out with the noise and stuff like that. But as I'm pissing, as soon as I start pissing, 
I hear noises in the stall, so I assume that this person is taking the number two. I didn't hear any paper go down on the toilet, and, I, and it could be that I just wasn't listening, or you know, the paper sheets, uh, the I forget what they call, I think toilet covers, was just very light in the in the sense of that I couldn't hear it. But I am of the belief that this person who walked in right behind me, I mean, literally behind me, like I had the door open as the person walked in. So by the time I start peeing, this person start doing what they're doing, and I hear noise, and. The reason why I bring this up is because as quick as I started hearing noise, there's no way in hell this person put tissue down or a toilet seat cover down on a seat. This person just put their bare ass on a public restroom toilet seat. And I could never understand that. But this is why stuff like this is going on and stuff like the coronavirus spread so rapidly and it spread so fast because people just don't want to practice very basic Hygiene, um, even with the coughing stuff, you know, a lot of people they cough into their hands. Um, I think when I was younger, I don't know when I stopped coughing in my hands, but I know that was like the 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 go to when you did cough um, when you're younger. Um, I don't know if I stopped once I got into the military or I stopped before that, but I know in the military it is like enforced that you cough into your elbow. It's like it's like a sin to cough into your hand in the military. So I know ever since then I've always coughed into the cusp of my elbow. Um, but a lot of people, they still cough into their hands. And you have to think about just aside from just the people who go into bathrooms or touch their genitals and don't wash their hands, you know, coughing in your hands is probably equally worse or probably worse than, you know, touching your genitals. Um, people sneeze. People sneeze and don't cover their mouth and not realize what they're what they're, you know, putting into the world or putting into the to the, the the what air uh I don't know words I'm looking for air molecules they're putting into the into the world and so the people nearby them and just that selfishness or selfish that selfishness is it selfishness yes that selfish I felt like I was saying selflessness but I wasn't that selfishness is what is the reason why stuff like this spread um one of the funny cases that I've seen was Utah Jazz and Rudy Gobert on Monday was doing a press conference after one of the game or one of, after one of their practice. And he was telling people basically that, you know, the coronavirus wasn't as severe as people were making it out to be. And it's not that serious. And as a joke, he gets up from the press conference and he touched every microphone of every reporter and he laughs and he keeps walking out. Fast forward to today, Wednesday, the Utah Jazz were set to play against Oklahoma City Thunder. And literally minutes before the game was about to tip off, a team official came out to alert officials that Rudy Gobert was out with a sickness. Now, at the time, they had no idea what the sickness was. Nobody jumped to conclusions and said it was coronavirus, but they said that he was sick. So because of this, the game was postponed. They alerted fans that the game was postponed and that it wouldn't go on today. Just, just all the safety precaution reasons. Again, they had no idea what Rudy Gobert' uh, situation was. And so the fans, you know, told to go home. The game was postponed. All the teams left the court. And in this time, Rudy Gobert was testing. They tested him for the coronavirus. Two hours later, it comes back that his test was positive, that he, in fact, had coronavirus. Now, whether or not this came from, you know, him joking around and doing the, the stupid shit that he did and touching the microphone, we don't know. But the fact of the matter is that he thought it was a joke, and now he tested positive for coronavirus. Now, I'm not saying that he deserves anything bad to happen to him. I hope that he overcomes this. But I also think that this just points out how selfish people are in this outspread and how insensitive they are to other people and you know how it affects other people around them so i want to say before we get out of here is that the coronavirus is obviously spreading very rapidly um i don't think it was like too much panic because at first it was just in china and then it would hit europe uh the continent of europe and like countries within europe and i don't think people really started panicking until they got to the united states and then we had you know cases of death and the coronavirus so now everybody is like in a frenzy everybody's going crazy all i gotta say is what everybody else is saying practice 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 good hygiene i don't know why we should be telling adults to practice good hygiene but do it um be very thoughtful of those around you be selfless of those who you interact with understand how you know the smallest thing you may do may affect them wash your hands 
if you're pissing, if you're taking a number two, if you sneeze, if you cough, wherever the case may be, wash your hands. Use hand sanitizer as a second option. It should never be your go-to. But if you need to do something like eat with your hands or you need to do something like you felt like you, you know, touched the bottom of your shoe, but you had to shake somebody very important hand, then sanitize your hand. But as a first option, wash your hands should be the very first, very first option. Um, that's really all I have for the Speak My Peace podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, I'm very grateful for you. Before we get out of here, my what to watch for this week is they've got to have us on Netflix. They got to have us. And I told you guys before, and I'm going to continue this trend. I'm not very good with giving giving synopsis. Synopsis. I don't know how to say that in plural. I'm not very good with giving a synopsis on a movie or a show. But this show on Netflix, They Gotta Have Us, is a very good representation of just the evolution of black Hollywood and black cinema. Um, it, it crosses multiple decades from the start of the very first person who appeared on a on a in a, in a black and white film as a black person to today to where we have, you know, the success of of Black Panther and and other movies that have been very successful. Um, it captures all that in three episodes and is very good. It has a lot of commentary from great actors of the past and current actors and current directors. And man, it's, it's just a great series. Again, my what to watch for this week is they've got to have us on Netflix. My best kept secret for this week. Um, I wanted to give you guys this dope, dope R&B track, but we ain't gonna give it to you this week. Since it's my first episode back, I'm gonna go with some rap. Um, my best kept secret for this week is off this great project called The Allegory. It's called the song is called Upside Down by Rusified Nine featuring Benny the Butcher. Once again, my best kept secret for this week is The Allegory by Rusified Nine featuring Benny the Butcher. That's the Speak One Piece podcast for this week. I'm out. Trying to fuck the gay bitches that look just like the straight niggas While the straight niggas that the gay bitches Trying to look just like, trying to look just like the gay niggas I must look just like the grave diggers You think you the people's champ cause people playing your single But I don't think that you should keep playing with me though Cause every time I squeeze a damn threefold That's the reaper playing bingo That's a kilogram wrapped up on a Peter Pan Prevost Whoever think I'm here to make some corny ass radio Viacom jangle Got my old diatribe tangle Sitting high up on them tires on my high horse I'm jangle Likened by white powder John Stamos Probably the only artist who could father time John Amos Rapper God erupted out of a Comic-Con Kano Committing lyrical homicide while beside Primo To the downers I'm Drano To the genre I'm Thanos Any spitter think he's sicker than that I have the antidote Take it back to when there was apes in the pack Kidnap you over that little rap you wrote Leave your family taken aback By the handsome quote that I left on that ransom note I ain't one of these dudes who be computer screen beefing Gorilla nigga killing the Twitter TL Verbal abusing females Bill Maher used the term nigga so loosely Cause truthfully he know that he be using it on a DL Louis C.K. know he can use it in front of Pookie But no damn well that he wouldn't use it in front of DL White kids graduate to relationships, a ton of perks Black kids just aggravated and had to take a ton of perks He come to church the first and 21st And when it come to dirt, Gucci ain't the only ones Putting black faces on front of shirts Black women wanna be built like cartoon characters Eric Cartman, that bears a striking resemblance to Sarah Bartman 
Now Google that when you get a chance. You're gonna find out America's heartless. Remember, the effort has to go into the art, not the wave. Everybody talking about they own their masters, but if the music don't age well, it don't matter. It's like you own 100% of nothing. Know your value. The butcher coming, nigga. All them times you gave him your best Got you complicating your stress Cash rules your last move Got him contemplating your next I'm the one behind the wheel When them conversations go left I need violence Machine wireless I'm okay with a tech What's the difference from a nigga Who lived it and storytellers Of course we fellin' Soda brick wider than Tory spelling. War with killers Nobody on my block Was poured in us I put a fork in a pot And got a euphoric feeling huh. Young heathens clap tools Over VVS jewels White kids put heaters at school on the CBS news Became a legend for the skeptics who ain't believe you that dude And for mornings, I never ate unless they feed me at school Uh-huh, serving out pots, had me turning out blocks It's Griselda, nigga, you know we the firm without Fox Everything about timing, and I was stern on my clock Cause niggas out now grinding, trying to earn what I got Uh, stick to the strip, my advantage was hustle So I'm saying off the muscle, I'm hearing careers I could cancel a couple The shooters crossed the Atlantic to touch you Rubber bands in a duffel with both hands full, I ain't panic, I juggle I'm very confident, y'all barely popping it huh. Y'all niggas treat A project Jake like K. Washington Chill back, stabbing the hell, I took A consequence The yard big enough at the crib to bury hostages Enough, enough, enough